Welcome back everyone to another episode of The Dark Whispers, the podcast for medical students. I'm Burhan and in today's episode of Study With Me, I want to ask you to look into your heart. <laughs> yes, today we're going to be talking about your main reason to be alive, your internal pump, the heart. So picture this, you're up on stage, in front of you, you see a sea of people all waiting for you to come up with that first hello. And so this being your first time, your heart is pounding like never before. And that's a perfectly normal physiological response. Now imagine if you're just sitting down, chilling, and out of nowhere, you get that same exact feeling. Scary, isn't it? So that's what we call palpitations. And when that happens, it could be a sign of atrial fibrillation. So atrial fibrillation, or more commonly known as AF, is a condition with your heart. And to understand AF, we must first picture the heart. So imagine a cross-section heart, a cross-section of a heart diagram with me. It would be better if you can look into a diagram yourself. So the heart is made of specialized muscles called cardiomyocytes. And see, in normally in normal muscles, they contract whenever they receive an electrical signal from nerves. But see, cardiomyocytes, they're damn cool. What they do, right, they further specialize into different forms that will allow them to actually generate their own electrical impulses. And these cells are called cardiac conduction cells. So these cells, they congregate in a bunch and they make up your pacemaker, which is the sinoatrial node. So what happens is, the sinoatrial node generates impulses and then it sends it to the atrioventricular node downwards and then it will then distribute the bundle uh, distribute the electricity to the bundle of his going to the left bundle branch block going to the left bundle branch and also the right bundle branch so in AF right it happens when you get an abnormal impulse coming from the atrial region so these abnormal responses messes up with the whole circuitry and you can imagine a left atrial enlargement from a systemic hypertension causing these abnormal signals to pop up. So, when your heart, what happens when your heart constantly gets these mismatched signals? So when your heart is constantly getting these abnormal impulses, which are known as palpitations, it won't be able to pump efficiently. And left untreated for a long time, this, you can imagine, the heart is supposed to pump in unison, right? But left for a long time, this would just reduce the cardiac function because everything is just haywire. It's just like a, like a, I don't know, like, just imagine like holding a bag of worms in your hand, I guess, even though that relates to something else, but you know, you get what I mean, right? So, and another thing is, because your atrium cannot contract properly, your blood is just being stagnant there like a sludge, you know, and you know how the blood, it just doesn't take long to actually start clotting. So when you have atrial fibrillation left for a while, your blood can actually thrombose and form a clot in the atrial region. So we'll talk about this later. All right, so what are the signs and symptoms of atrial fibrillation? So the most common one is uh, usually like an asymptomatic, like it's a bit hard to tell, but the most common one would be palpitations. So this feeling of pounding chest and you can guess from your heart not being able to pump properly, you will get dyspnea. You will be able to, you, you will find it hard to breathe and you will also get chest pain. And the hallmark of um, 
AF is an irregularly irregular pulse and in investigations what we do is we will do an ECG to rule out any sinus arrhythmia or ventricular ectopics and the key findings of an AF on an ECG is the absence of P waves and instead you get fibrillatory waves so it's just like a squiggly line uh, down at the baseline there and also you have an irregularly irregular ventricular rhythm and one must note that the squiggly fibrillatory waves are not the same as the sawtooth appearance of atrial flutter. Alright, so coming back into AF and how do we classify it? So like there's three types of AF. So it could be divided into first detected, recurrent and permanent. So first detected as the name states, first detected AF. Recurrent AF is when you have two or more episodes and it could be further divided into paroxysmal, one that terminates spontaneously within 7 days and persistent, one that is not self-limiting and is more than 7 days. And in permanent AF, this is a continuous AF which either cannot be cardioverted or you can't try cardioversion because of other health uh, problems. So usually in these patients, we would just focus on rate control and anticoagulation. Sideboard. Have you ever wanted to learn things but always seem to not have the chance to do so? Well now you can! With Skillshare, you can learn a lot of things. And personally, I've learned how to make a podcast from Skillshare. Get Skillshare today and get 2 months of free online classes. Check out the link from our bio on Instagram and wherever. Alright, let's get into the management of AF. Like, How do you actually fix or manage a patient with AF. So there are two basics in management of AF. One is rhythm and rate control and the other is reducing stroke risk. But in an acute situation, if the patient is in shock and you suspect that it's because of AF, first thing first, ABCDE and you do immediate PC cardioversion. And how you do that? You use 120 to 150 joules with or without amiodarone. Right, so what is rate or rhythm control? So, see, rhythm control is where we try to get the patient's rhythm back into normal sinus rhythm. So, this is termed cardioversion. And rate control is when you accept the fact that the rhythm will never be um, normal or you have to delay a bit. So, you have to treat it as an irregular rhythm. So, you just help to slow down the impact of the irregular rhythm. Alright. Uh, there are a few criteria on selecting who should get rate control or rhythm control. There's a lot that I can go into that but that's going to take too long. You can go into nice guidelines but generally what they say is if a patient presents with AF that presents within the past 48 hours, like it can be confirmed, then you can try for rhythm control. But if it's AF that has persisted for more than 48 hours, you have to start with rate control. Alright, so let's start with rhythm control, the breakdown of it. So rhythm control, as I said before, is when you are trying to revert the patient back to its normal rhythm. So in AF, we have all these irregularly irregular impulse. So just now I told you that there were clots that would form when the blood gets stagnant in the atrium. So you can imagine if heart is not able to pump properly, 
and then you suddenly switch it to pump with a normal rhythm, that clot can actually come out, dislodge from the atrium and actually go into your bloodstream and can cause stroke. That's why we want to reduce stroke risk. So if an AF patient come within 48 hours and you decide that you need to do rhythm control, then you must heparinize the patient first. If they come in later than that, then you have to anticoagulate the patient for three weeks at least. And this is where you start with rate control. And the way that um, rhythm control could be carried out is either by drugs or by electricity. Because you know the heart is an electrical organ. So you can kind of like short circuit it to rewire it back in a way. All right, so the drugs, two of note, flaconide if there is no structural heart damage, amiodarone if there is structural heart damage, and synchronized DC shock, just the same as before. And then what happens if you just feel like you are you find this patient is not able to go through rhythm control, so you have to go through rate control. So your main purpose is to slow the rate down to avoid the negative effects on the cardiac function. So you start with either giving a beta blocker or calcium channel blocker to let the heart rest, you know, not make it work so much. Then if that fails, you can add digoxin or if that fails, you can further add amiodarone. And this is um, from Oxford Handbook. If the patient wants to avoid medication or is unresponsive to medication, you can go for catheter ablation. Alright, now let's move on to the second part of management, reducing stroke risk. So there's two ways that we do this and we do it by scores. So two main scores that we need to keep track of, the CHAD-VAS score as well as the HAS-BLAD score. So the CHAD-VAS score is a score to determine whether you need to warfarinize the patient or not. Um, you can go into details about the score, the score criteria um, on your further reading. But generally, if the CHAD-VAS score is one, and if it's a male, you can consider anticoagulation. If it's a female, then don't do anything because being a female is already a score of one in Chavez score. And score two, then you should offer anticoagulant regardless of their gender. And as for Hasblad, this is the score to identify their risk of bleeding. So if uh, there's no international standard for this, but generally, if their score is more than or equal to 3, that means it's a high risk. And that's the end of this episode of SWM. Be sure to tune in and catch our next episodes.